and welcome to episode 65 of the Sales Syndicate podcast. Madness. I've had, a, I've had a few weeks off, maybe even a couple of months off recording, so I'll just caveat or at least get this out of the way that it, it might not be a great episode. I've also got a sore throat, um, so if I do cough, um, I do apologize. Um, but we're going to be talking about how you can go above and beyond with prospecting and, and outreach in 2024. I think it's, a, it's an apt time to do it. I think this episode will go live start of feb um so once everyone's got back up to speed like we were just discussing before we hit the record button because i think january's been a bit of a a tough one for me so far um so hopefully by february this will be very very useful indeed but before we jump in to that discussion i'll hand over to my guest to introduce themselves and also the company so over to you yeah i mean i'll keep it pretty <laughs> short and sweet um, again, uh, same as you, I'm kind of getting back into the swing of things. So uh, my name is probably at capacity of what I can I can do right now. So uh, <laughs> Charlie Johnson, um, Sales Loft, Sales Loft is a sales engagement solution that helps kind of any revenue team to book more meetings, close more deals, shorten sales cycles, whatever it might be. Um, I've been at Sales Loft for, I think this year it's four years. So that's pretty crazy. So I've been here for quite a while now. Um, and that's me, really. <laughs> and you've gone from um, SDR up to um, AE. Is it SMB? Am I right? Yeah, so SDR. I was an SDR for so long. I was an SDR for like four years. Um, and then I think only at my last company at, and at Salesloft did the SDR role like actually click as to like what it is and how to do it like well. Um, so then kind of increased my skills quite a lot at Salesloft. And yeah, then went on to AE where I'm still basically an SDR. I am still doing a lot of my own prospecting as well. So uh, never lose it. And you do um, some bits on the side, I guess you could call it in terms of LinkedIn training, consultancy, bit of everything really. Do you want to explain that side of things yeah, as well? So I have like a, a side business where, yeah, I, I do a range of things from like consultancies. Um, I'm also at the moment working on uh, another course as well. So hopefully that will be out. Um, I'm going to say March, April. I've been working on it. So hopefully there'll be a, a nice prospecting course and um, I can uh, add to the list. But yeah, I have a guide at the moment um, and yeah, do some consultancy stuff as well. So I think, I think that's how I, I came. I think I came across your profile when you jumped on um another podcast i think uh, i think you grew massively in last year didn't you am i right from a like a follower's perspective oh yeah yeah um i think it was last year or do you know what it was in the space of like four months i'd been i've been posting consistently uh for a while it wasn't very good consistently at the beginning like my posts were awful um but yeah, it, it suddenly, it was like in the space of like, I think four months where suddenly it just kind of uh, rocketed and ever since it's been pretty consistent. Um, so yeah, consistency wins, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it was, um, if you listen to Stephen Barley, I think he did the diary of a CEO for the, like a year, maybe even two. And it was pretty much static. Like their performance was just like really, really slow. And then suddenly it just literally like, I think they call it hockey stick growth, don't they? Um, where it literally just, just went absolutely mad um and i think they say the same thing about linkedin it can take years of posting consistently before anything happens yeah and then it just suddenly does even though you haven't really changed anything um okay then so going above and beyond in 2024 i think 2024 feels like after 2022 2023 like the coming out of covid and and 
all of that stuff um, that we're not going to cover, that 2024 is going to potentially be a big year. It feels like it anyway. I don't know whether everyone I speak to thinks 2024 yeah, is going to be a big so. year. <laughs> Fingers last crossed, year yeah. Tough. Like last year was tough, like really tough, especially on the prospecting front. It was really difficult. Like I always prospect. Um, my pipeline is probably like 40, 50% self-sourced. So I'm always prospecting. Um, and do you know what? Stuff that I was doing last year in 2023, that I like stuff I was doing in 2022 that was working. I was doing it in 2023 and it's just getting nothing from it. So it's uh, it's been crazy. So I hope <laughs> this year it becomes a bit easier. What what were some of those um, noticeable changes? And you mentioned there some of the tactics just weren't working anymore. So for 2023, yeah. you touched on the fact that it was quite tough. Do you want to just give us a couple of like nuggets of information as to why you think that was or how it was? I think it's like because like certain things became new to prospecting or not new became more known to prospecting so things like video prospecting um as well as like more like trigger personalization so with video prospecting I remember in I think it was even know what year it is now in 2022 I could send a video to like 10 people and I was guaranteed like three responses if I didn't get a reply from 10 videos I'd be like what what's happening um, whereas now you do that, you get zero replies. And it's like, just from doing a video and having a personalized video, you would get a response. And it's like, it's, it's not really a channel that I'm really using at the moment. It's just not really working as well for me on the prospecting side. I still use it in the rest of my sales cycle. And then from the trigger element, I could send an email to all of the people I know who are hiring SDRs with a pretty similar message being like, hey, great to see your team is is growing. I can see you're hiring an SDR. Um, usually when I'm speaking to people who are hiring SDRs, they have these two challenges, something on your mind, and people would reply quite easily. And it's like last year, nothing to that. Like these triggers, like I see you're hiring SDRs, everyone is using it. So it wasn't enough to, to like warrant a reply. It was basically the same as saying, hey, I can see you're in marketing. So our prospects are just getting inundated with like that level of personalization, which was enough before, but then it wasn't enough last year. So then you have to go a step further up, which then this year probably isn't going to be enough. So it's like, I think prospecting and it's exciting, but I, I think it is evolving a lot. And like, you need to be way more strategic this year, even last year um, to even get a reply. Yeah, it's, it's, it kind of sounds like that natural evolution of year on year, the bar is just raised and perhaps last year with the introduction of AI and ChatGPT and all these things that helped efficiencies that the bar was just raised that much more, um, which is interesting, I think, because I think 2024, we're going to see some very, very interesting tactics, um, some out of the box thinking that I don't think um, we would have seen. Um, but we're going to be talking about um, I think we've got like five or six key ways um, that you can go above and beyond um, mm -hmm. in this chat. So I think naturally the uh, a good place to start would be that point that we've just covered. So it's like, what is no one else going to be doing? Like thinking outside of the box. So how how have you approached that? Like, have you started, you know, January thinking, right, here's my goals for 2024, this is how I'm going to approach it? Or is it like a weekly, monthly ideation sort of thing? So I think I always, like, I'm a bit of a loser. I actually think about this stuff all the time. Um, and <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit of a loser in that, in that respect. So I'm always thinking about like, what is going to change? What do I need to do? So it's not necessarily like a monthly or weekly thing that I'm like, 
writing down what I need to do. I'm like constantly thinking about it. I do just... these ideas come into your head at the worst possible time? So you're Wait. in the shower or yeah. when you put your head down on the pillow, bing, yeah. and it's just in your head. Yeah. Um, mm. I have Evernote on my phone and like ask my partner, I'll, I'll be like, we'll be food shopping. And I'll be like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm like picking up bananas. I'm like, wild and it's like, oh, great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah anywhere um and, and everywhere I just shove it write it down so it's out my brain and then I can uh, pick up another day but I'm just always thinking I just I just find it a really fascinating topic which is why I'm always thinking about it um but what I try and do is I try and put myself in my prospects shoes and understand like the evolving like the involvement that they have had over time and um how it must be really annoying for them to be getting that first. Hey, I see your uh, head of marketing. Uh, this is what we do. And then all the involvement of like the sales kind of outbound that they're getting. So I try and think if I'm a buyer, what would I want to receive that is different from all the other salespeople out there who are messaging me? So I try and put it that way. So when I'm then going to prospect and I don't do anything crazy, like I'm not going to be showing up at their door and, and, and knocking at a grandma's house and, and sending like flowers to her grandma, like weird stuff. I'm not going to be doing out the box like that. I'm still going to be using the traditional channels of phone, email, LinkedIn. Um, but when I say like standing out or being different with my, like being different is like, it's my personalization, which is the main thing I'm talking about. My personalization as well as my approach um, so with my personalization, I'm not just going to um, note down the first thing that I see when I'm researching. For most people, they will use LinkedIn as the first thing um, that they see when they're researching. So they'll say things like, oh, I see you're hiring this role, or I can see on your LinkedIn profile, it mentions this and this, or I can see you've just had funding. It's like, those are really easy things that I can find within five seconds. So I'm thinking, what can I do to take it a step further? I might mention that thing that is on their job description on their LinkedIn profile, but I'm also going to mention something else. And I want to mention something else that when they read it, they're like, oh, this is juicy. And like they haven't, they haven't heard it before. And so as an example, um, I reached out to a company um, and I listened uh, to a webinar that they, or a podcast they did with someone else. And I took that topic listened to the whole podcast took that topic and some of the stuff that they said also took the fact that they were hiring and then linked that into sales loft and it was just like that step further which is what got me the meeting if I had said oh great webinar on this or oh great that you're hiring SDRs I don't think those things alone would have got me a meeting but it's the fact that I did two things one of them which was time consuming and the other one, which linked well with that point as well. And that's why it got me the meeting. So it's just like thinking, what else can I find out of my research steps? What else can I add that's going to make me stand out? And I think um, that's a big thing that I'm thinking about at the moment. Yeah, it kind of that, that story sort of reminded me. I had a chat with um, Sophie Ellis at Lunio, and she there was this um, story she told me of she knew this prospect quite well and knew that he was really into cars, but like as a mechanic fixing up cars. So she ended up writing like a, a whole spiel or set, set of like campaigns or messages or whatever that referenced or compared um, click, because uh, it's click fraud that they sell. So it was tying click fraud and go fake Google ad clicks to um, mechanical issues in a car. Yeah. Um, and that's how they got 
like how she got the response and i think that you said it just takes that level of like creativity to stand out I'm, i must get like five or ten messages a day off the back of connections on like if we're talking linkedin specifically um and they're all oh i noticed your heading up marketing at yeah i saw that yeah yeah it's boring um, as well it's like it's boring for me to physically write that like i'm bored writing that i noticed that i'm so bored writing that and they're bored receiving it so it's like try and be different but also try and have a bit of fun with it because prospecting can be fun as well um i don't know if you know harry hudson he used to be so good at linking he used to work at sales loft um and now he's at source whale he used to link like sport and football and rugby and all this stuff to sales off. It's just not a skill I can physically do. <laughs> but um, he used to do that. And it used to be like really funny and like really fun mail that people just enjoyed reading and enjoyed responding to. Also sets you up for the rest of the sales cycle. If someone replies to my message and it's just dull and like really like templated and boring, they don't really want to speak to me because they probably think that I'm also going to be a bit of a, a robotic person. I'm going to really force them down at the sales cycle. Whereas if I'm a bit more myself authentic and just being a bit different, they might be like, actually, this person is going to be more consultative and is going to be a bit more fun to speak to rather than the others that are just a bit more robotic as well. So I try and try and like always be myself just to also kind of show them, look, if you take a call with me, I'm not going to shove sales off down your throat i'm actually genuinely gonna try and understand more about you and if it's not a fit it doesn't really matter um but i am a human and i'm a bit of fun as well so hopefully that kind of transfers into um the rest of the sales cycle as well from that initial outreach message i think i think that's massive i think the the cookie cutter sales rep like the cookie cutter sdr is it's just i, I think hope i'm hoping this is the year where it just it dies off like i don't think it ever will i just don't think uh, it ever will and it's such a shame but mm. i just don't think it ever will yeah fingers yeah maybe, maybe it's industry i think um like selling to sales reps or selling to marketers it feels like probably more forward thinking than other industries like old school industries yeah um yeah. but yeah we'll see and sales loft um we've seen you at a couple of events this year. So I know events was, and sort of face-to-face -face stuff was another thing we were going to speak about. Um, I've been lucky enough to meet quite a few of the, the sales loft team at, at events and you just, you can't replicate that that face-to-face yeah. -face interaction and actually meeting them. So I know you sort of touched on that being a focus for you in 2024, whether that be events or more personable one-to-one -one stuff. So do you want to just cover that? Yeah. So on the event side, that's more for like, prospecting side right so like and, and you can sign up to so many events if you go onto the excel website or there's i can't remember what it's called it's just type in events in europe there are so many free events where you can walk the floor at, and just literally walk find an event that has all your icp and just walk around you'll have some customers there so you can go say hi to your customers as well and then be like to other people oh yeah i'm just visiting a customer at the moment um, they are this company over there and just wanted to have a look and then just speak to people and ask questions because usually like especially uh, for me and for people selling to marketing when you go to these events there is always like a marketer there and there's also a senior salesperson there as well as well as the reps who can give me insight into what their process is and, and any challenges they have and who I should be reaching out to as well so I can just walk around I can get some free lovely swag and I can um, speak to some of my target accounts as well. So they know my name and they know my face. So then when I am following up with them later on, 
then at least they kind of recognize me as well, like face to a name and everything. But um, at my last company, we used to book a crazy amount of meetings from walking the floor. It was something we'd probably do most weeks, just go to an event, walk the floor, chat to people and book meetings in that way. Um, I think this will be a lot bigger, like face-to-face meetings. I think this will be uh, a lot bigger. Like now we're way past kind of COVID times. Um, I know we've seen success from it. And you don't have to physically be exhibiting at an event to book meetings from an event. You can still walk the floor um, and get to know people. Um, I, I love the idea of doing things different at events. Like you could even like um, like do like mini interviews with people and being like, hey, I'm part of Sales Loft. Do you know Sales Loft? And they'll be like, yes or no. Um, we're just doing some mini interviews with our ICP and we're going to ask them one question and you can go and ask them the question do a mini interview with your ICP and then it's just such an easy segue into like understanding a bit more about them understanding their challenges seeing if it's a fit and it's like and you get great content out of it as well I just think like I love the idea of walking the floor meeting people but maybe also creating some content while you're there as well no, it's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because I think pre-COVID or at least maybe two or three years ago, when you would say the word event, it was like, oh, yeah, right, it's going to cost us like 20 grand plus for a stand. And it's just, you know, are we going to get ROI? And I think it's a lot more normal now, like you said, to see people just walking the floor and just generally like interacting with people like yeah. on a budget as cheaply as possible. And I think last year we did... Um, like three or four events and we didn't exhibit any of them we literally just two or three of us turned up with a camera and a microphone yeah we recorded content for the podcast and it was such a good way of meeting people getting the brands out there but then as you said like it naturally like segues into a a soft sales conversation more often than not anyway and if you do want to have like a presence there you can just like rent a bar next door or something like that or rent a space in a bar or a restaurant next door and then just invite people there to have drinks and then that's your way of kind of gathering everyone like to a place that's your booth, <laughs> but you're mm. not having to pay tens of thousands as well. Um, but yeah, um, I love that. I just love the idea of just doing little interviews there and then just getting to know people as well. And so I think like networking will be big part of this year. Um, but also something that I do as well is I, I always ask people, like as soon as I've booked a meeting, I'll be like, where's your office? And if they are local to me, I'm either going to take them out for lunch, take them out for a coffee, invite them to my office or go to their office. And I think when you have these face-to-face meetings, it's just a completely different dimension to having these over the Zoom ones. It's like I get to find out so much about this person, what they enjoy and like on a personal, like friendly level, as well as on a business level as well. And people are just way more open when you meet them face-to-face as well. So I try and do that. Um, And if I can do my demos in their office, I want to do that as well, because at the end of the day, if I physically met you in person, I've taken you out for lunch and coffee and you go with a competitor, as an example, you're not going to ghost me. You're going to tell me because we have that closer relationship to warrant like actual transparency rather than the scenario where they go with a competitor or it's not good timing and someone just ghosts you just creates like a completely different relationship with prospects. So um, I think face-to-face are really great. You can even like go to their office and offer to do like best practice sessions or, or things like that is something I like to do. Or we've just got a new office. So God, I am going to invite people or their SDR teams to our office to do best practice sessions because it just like creates such depth to the rest of the sales cycle as well as when you get to meet them face-to-face. 
it's weird, isn't it? How it, it, it kind of like f- how fashion goes in, in and out, like every few years, how face to face, I know COVID was a massive um, sort of factor, but how face to face meetings are coming back in and how taking someone out for coffee or taking them out for lunch now is seen as like going above and beyond. Whereas before it would have been like, well, well, yeah. you, you, you haven't bought me a coffee. That's, yeah. you're a bit, you're a bit cheap. Like, yeah. it, it's weird how it's, um, yeah. it's coming back in, but it's, yeah, if like if someone said to me, "Oh, yeah, I'm I'm Cardiff based. Let's let's pop out for lunch," I'd be like, "Okay, this is this is different. I like yeah. this." Especially in that topic of like standing out, how many SDRs have asked you to like to meet face to face or take you for a coffee or something? It's always virtual coffee or virtual mm. lunch through a, a reach desk, as an example. Um, but actually, to stand out, offering to actually physically come and take them for coffee or take them for lunch it's like firstly they're not going to no show you because you've made the effort um but secondly it's completely different and they're actually going to want to meet you rather than just potentially like fobbing off your calendar invite yeah it's an interesting i mean i'm hoping someone offers to take me out for lunch that'd be quite nice so (laughs) if anyone's listening to this and wants to sell to marketing and is based in cardiff hit me up give me some lunch as long as as long as i it's pasture or parallel like as long as i can choose the places yeah that's brilliant um okay then so i think one of the other things um we were chatting about just before we we jumped on actually was how you actually team up with other people um that work at sales loft and i've not really heard about this as a tactic because i think maybe traditionally i don't know maybe the misconception is that sales reps are quite selfish in that it's my prospect and my pipeline and my process i don't want anyone else getting involved because then they might take some credit for it so do you want to just talk about that that teaming up um, yeah. strategy you you mentioned? I do this all through my sales cycle as well. I don't know a single deal that I have closed where it's just me. Like all of my deals will have other people from Sales Loft involved just to ensure that it's like doing everything we physically can to win that person's business. But from a prospecting point of view... I don't know why there is this like conception of like a CEO being up here and an SDR being down here. And it's, it's ever since I first moved into the SDR role, I almost felt daunted speaking to someone who was quite senior. And there was that big step. I always thought CEOs speak to CEOs, CROs speak to CROs, blah, blah, blah. And yes, an SDR can book a meeting with a, a CEO as an example, but it's just a lot harder. Whereas for some bizarre reason, when you have a CEO reaching out to a CEO, CRO, CRO, CFO, CFO, whatever it is, they're more likely to respond to that person. So I take that into my prospecting as well. So I will do my research and I will reach out to a company for a week or two by myself. If I'm not getting any traction from them, I'm then going to find my prospects and find someone at Salesloft that I can get them to message them. I'll do all the research. I will prep the, the email as well. Um, Salesloft has this really great tool that I think it's available only on Gmail. It's called um, Draft on Behalf, um, and it's just an extension. And what it does is you click on Draft on Behalf, you put in the person's email that you wanted to send it to, so um, CFO at whoever, IBM.com, and then you put in um, your CFO's email address. You put in the subject line and the message you want to send, You then insert that on draft on behalf and it populates as a link. So when you send it to your CFO, they don't have to copy and paste anything. They just click a link and it's going to populate an email for them. And they just press send. They can read through it 
and it's just going to populate that email for them. So it's a such a good tool. And I, I honestly use it all the time from prospecting to the rest of my sales cycle. Um, but yeah, I will get them to message my prospect. Um, and the response rate from getting like a CRO to a CRO, et cetera, is really, really high. Um, and it's just a great way of getting into your target accounts as well, especially if you've done everything you physically can from your side. And um, then I'm going to try and get someone else to do it. Um, when we were SDRs as well, we would also swap accounts as well. We weren't so precious about holding on to accounts as well. So we would, I'd have a go at a tier one target account. I'd have a go at them for a month or two months, whatever it might be. And then I might swap it with someone else. Because at the end of the day, like if you keep seeing Charlotte Johnson at sales or Charlotte Johnson at sales, you're going to be like, oh, bore off. You want to like see a fresh name, right? Or a fresh face. And so if you start then seeing people like, I don't know, um, Lizzie Stamp, one of my colleagues, you start seeing her name at Sales Loft, you might be more susceptible to replying to her. And so um, I can give Lizzie one of my accounts and she can give me one of hers and then we just work them and keep them. So I think some people are a bit precious over keeping really good accounts. But actually, when you switch them up, when someone sees more names from a company and more faces then more and on different channels as well, they're more likely to respond than just seeing Charlotte Johnson at salesloft.com on LinkedIn calling and uh, email as well. That's interesting. It's kind of like listening to that. It kind of makes me think of multi-threading, but internal. So you're it basically, it, you're internally multi-threading. <laughs> multi-threading from our side, but maybe internal multi-threading sounds better. <laughs> coined yeah. a new phrase, internal multi-threading. I've, I've, I think the only other person, Jack Nico, sort of touched on it, but for him, it was more like, deal management towards the end of getting it across the line. He spoke about multi-threading internally to help get it across the line. But I really like that idea of multi-threading to break into an account. And I'm, yeah. I, you're the first person who's sort of touched on that. So that's a very interesting, interesting take on, on teaming up. And yeah, it, it's really rare. It's refreshing. But it's really rare to hear people sharing accounts, switching accounts and seeing it, seeing it as, as one team, which it is, but more often than not, it's like, now, these are my 50 target accounts. Yeah. Get you, as get AEs, I think it's, it's less flexibility on just switching accounts for the sake of it. But as SDRs, I don't see any issue in swapping accounts when you're prospecting into them, like, especially if they're the same level. Like, I think it, I definitely would recommend it if I was an SDR still. Now, the, the one we've got on the list next is, is, is similar, but it's, it's using mutual connections to your advantage, specifically LinkedIn. So, how does that differ to the internal multi-threading? Is it using mutual connections that you can see um, that might not necessarily be internal, as in mutual connections to people at Salesloft? It could be other people. So, so you can do that as well. So with using like, so with the internal multi-threading, that person, that person from Salesloft doesn't know that prospect. With the next approach, the person from Sales Loft or whoever it might be is connected to that prospect. So there might be some kind of tie or relationship there. Um, you, I, I think what I'm going to describe is when it's someone from your company. But if you're close enough to someone else and you know they're connected to someone you're prospecting, there is zero harm asking someone and just saying, look, can I be a bit cheeky and ask you how if you know this person well? the worst they're going to say is sorry I don't feel comfortable doing it and that's fine but um I actually had one of my target accounts that I have been hounding <laughs> for a very long time and I reached out to someone that I've met over zoom 
Um, and that's it really, but I don't know them particularly well. And I saw they were connected to my prospect who I've been trying to get after for so long. And I asked them to reach out to her and he said, yes, reached out. And, and I got loads of great information about that prospect. Um, wasn't a good fit for Salesloft at this time, but great, that saves my time, right? So you can do it with mutual connections. I think just be really human and be like, look, I know this is a really cheeky ask, um, but I just have, I just really, I really want to get into this account and I know you're connected to this person. Would you feel uncomfortable if I um, asked you to message them on my behalf? And if they say no, that's fine, like completely fine. Um, but the other way is you can use on Sales Navigator, there's Team Link Intro, and then there's also exec team link intro. I think that's what it's called. Um, it's changed. It used to be under spotlights, but now it's under best path in. So they've changed the position of it in case you can't find it because I couldn't find it. <laughs> I nearly cried. <laughs> but it's under like best path in and it says executive team link intro. Ideally, that's the one that I want to click because then it's showing an exec at sales loft who's connected um, to my prospect, essentially. And what you can do is you can actually just upload a list of your um, Salesforce accounts into SalesNav, filter via the seniority, and then click that uh, exec team link intro. And it's going to show you all the accounts that you own, the correct seniority, and all of the people within those accounts who are then connected to an exec at SalesLoft, as an example. So then I'll go through those. I will um, open it up in LinkedIn because most of our, I think most exec teams don't have Sales Navigator. So make sure you open it up in LinkedIn, send it to the person who's connected on Salesforce side and just ask, do you know this person? Um, and if they say no, I'm probably just going to ask them to message them anyway. But I've had scenarios where um, someone at Salesforce was like, that's my neighbor. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, that's my neighbor. And I was like, can you message him? And he just WhatsApped him and got me a meeting the next day. And I was like, I've been targeting this company for a long time and you WhatsApp here and I have a meeting the next day. So it's like, you sometimes don't know about the relationships that people have on your company's side with prospects. Um, so just asking that like from those, from that list, the um, executive team link intro, just asking them, do you know this person? And if they say, yes, how do you know them? And then asking to just draft a message on um, behalf of you as well. So I've done a, a, a um, what's it called? A newsletter post on there. So I can I can share the link with it. Um, but I cannot tell you how many meetings I booked. I think it was like November and December. I booked a crazy amount of meetings from this approach. Um, and I've really filled up my pipeline from it. So it's something I really recommend today. That's interesting. I think, it, I mean, one, if only all of them were neighbors, right? That'd be great. I know, I dream. Um, <laughs> two, I think... I. We do. I do a similar thing with a podcast of like towards the end of the podcast, I'll say, who would you recommend I speak to and why? And then I'll use that as the introduction to the person I've never met. And I think that's how I got Tom Boston on. Cause I think, uh, I don't know. I think perhaps you commented on one of my posts where I commented on one of yours and then Tom was referenced and then I tagged Tom and I was like, how about coming on then Tom? And that's how I got Tom. And I, I think that that cheekiness is just another one of those things that separates the really like boring robotic yeah. with the people who actually have a personality. And I'd much rather talk to people who are openly cheeky, like Jack and Zach from We Have a Meeting all over LinkedIn. You'd much rather have a 30 minute demo from those guys than some someone else. Um, He's just reading from a script. And you can tell yeah. when it's going to be one of those demos of someone reading from a, a script and feature bashing you. 
from their outreach as well. So you can yeah. you can tell. Yeah. Um, offering up your time for free. So sp- speaking about, um, obviously earlier in this podcast, about all the stuff that you share on LinkedIn and that newsletter tip you just gave there, as well as Jack and Zach, who share a ton of information. When you say offering up your, your time for free, people's alarm bells are probably ringing like, I don't have any free time. How on earth can I offer it up for free? So do you want to just explain what you mean by that yeah so as an example like and this is part of like some of the strategy that I'm going to be changing for 2024 as well I just think for me to get into a target account who has never heard of Salesloft before I just can't get in the way that I used to get in with like highlighting challenges I need to be known within their company and within their team so this is for tier one accounts I would not do this for a tier three or like a medium tier two account this is only for my really target accounts that I'm desperately trying to get into I will obviously at first go in with the approach of just the normal challenges kind of typical sales structure see if I can do it that way um but if not I'm going to offer my time in regards to, I'm going to find out what the team maybe are struggling with when it comes to pipeline gen. Because if anyone says they're not struggling with no errors of pipeline gen, then they're lying. Um, so I'm going to find out what it is. And then I'm going to offer to do a best practice session on that on that topic. I will not mention Salesloft once and I will promise that to them. All I'm going to do is I'm going to spend 30 minutes with your team on a on an area that I am good at and I'm going to help them with LinkedIn messaging or cold calling, whatever it might be. And that is it. I am then known within that team. I've built credibility, um, which will then give me a nice path into any other senior leadership. But it also means that I'm connected to the lower level team as well. I can get to know them. I can understand their challenges. And then I can use that when going to more senior people, or I can get them to introduce me to their managers as well. so, and it doesn't always lead to anything, um, but most of the time it's kind of like gets my name known. And I had a situation recently where I did a best practice with a, a company about two years ago, kept in contact with them. I think I, I did I did two over the years. They came back to me in December saying, hey, we're going to evaluate this in January, like two years later, because they know who I am and they remembered me. I spent the time and effort with their team and I helped their team book more meetings from a certain channel. And then when timing is right, guess who they've contacted? Me, of course. Um, So although it is more of a long game, just, and obviously this won't work with every persona you're you're targeting. Obviously, if you're you're selling like, I don't know, financial services, (laughs) and you don't really, you're not really completely clued up about that. It's a bit more difficult to do like a best practice session with that. Um, but especially when you're selling to like sales or marketing or like any revenue kind of role makes it a lot easier to kind of share best practices um, around things. And um, so I'll do that. But I'll also add kind of um, I'll use this to encourage someone to jump on a discovery call with me as well. So I will say at the end, like if there is not a fit in this call. I will at least ensure that you leave with the top two or three tactics, whatever it might be at the time, that we're using at Salesloft that's helping us produce 50 to 60% of our pipeline. And I will share with them at the time what is working for us. So at least if anything, they jump on this call and it's not a fit, they're going to leave with something as well. Rather than jumping on a call, not getting anything out of it, they're going to get something out of this call as well. And so I think it helps both with... um, in regards to best practice sessions, getting into the account and getting known into the account, but also if you have that someone who's a bit 
unsure about joining the discovery court also helps push them over to the other side so they can actually they want to join it because they're going to get something out of it as well it's, it's interesting so as a marketer sitting here it just reminds me of that um demand gen play demand gen strategy of giving away stuff for free the yeah. educate something educational informative funny or just something that you can relate to and you give it away with no expectations of getting anything in return and research shows that you know, six months, nine months, or two years, like the example you gave, <laughs> they will come back because they built that trust, rapport, um, that affinity with you over, yeah. over that time. We had a guy called Chris um, Fenton, I think off the top of my head, uh, jump on the podcast and he, he spoke about just playing the long game in sales and far too often the, the training for new sales reps is thinking about what's in, right in front of you, rather, yeah, the, the quick returns rather than playing the long game. And I think playing the long game not only does it serve you really well for your current position but you know if it's another you know two-year timeline and you're actually at a different company selling something similar then it might come back and it yeah. might yeah it might help that pipeline and for you it's worked you know worked really well for you building your personal brand as well which we haven't yeah. touched on but that's obviously grown as well off the back of that i remember towards the end of being an sdr i got to the stage where I had people coming to me, not from LinkedIn, but from doing outreach and doing best practice sessions or sharing resources that I had physically created that I thought they would find useful. I had people towards the end of it literally making up half of my target because I had spent so much time like giving out free stuff. So it, it does come back to you. It might seem at first that you're not, not getting anything in return, but like long term, it's just way worth it because it does come back. Not everyone's going to come back and that's fine. At least I get to help someone, but like longer term people are going to come back. Yeah. You like, you got to think of it as a pet, like a pension, haven't you? Like no one likes paying into their pension. Let's be honest. Like you're like, why am I paying 3%, 5%, 10%, whatever it is every single year to, to only really uh, look at, at, at the end of the year. You're like, really? I've, I've put Three grand. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, but it's exactly like that, isn't it? Like you, you won't necessarily reap the re rewards now, but you'll be thanking yourself when you retire and you've actually got some money to buy food. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. The last one we've got on the list is a bottom up approach. Now I know we've, we've had um, quite a few discussions over the last year on the podcast about top down approach and why there's misconceptions about top down being more difficult and why you should do top down. But I think bottom up has had a bit of a bad reputation perhaps over the last couple of years. But after chatting with you last time, I know that bottom up is perhaps because people are moving away from it. It's actually sort of yeah. coming back. The light. Yeah. And so I, I use it for both prospecting, but also in my sales cycles as well. So I try and get to know like the SDRs and AEs of the accounts that I'm prospecting as well. So I'm, that I'm in a deal cycle in as well. So it helps with that as well. But just focusing on prospecting, um, I will, and, and like, don't add, like, don't reach out to every single SDR email, every single SDR, every single AE, because as soon as I get a LinkedIn message from someone or I get an email from someone, like, we'll share it around. So it's going to become pretty obvious if you're just spamming out a message to everyone. And um, so try and make it personal, but um, I will just add SDRs, AEs, whoever it is um, on LinkedIn, and I'll just message a few of them. I try and, like, do it vary between someone who's more new and someone who's a bit more tenured and I'll be like hey can I ask you a random question and that's it that's all I'll say 
and they'll be like, I've never had someone say no. I've had people not reply to me, but most people reply and they're like, go on. And some people then become a bit more fun. They're like, only if it's really random. And then I have to find a really random question to ask Google them. a random question. Yeah. Um, but, and then I'll, I'll be like, look, like being honest, like I'm prospecting your company. And uh, this is um, the tech stack I had from speaking with whoever last year's. They're still the same. And depending on their response, they might be really blunt and be like, yes or no. Um, depending on that is whether I keep probing and asking more questions. Most people are open. If people ask me questions, I, I help. Um, so most people are pretty open. And then I'll ask about their tech stack. I'll start with something really easy, but then I will move on to things like challenges, or I'll say things like, this is the, this is the research I've done, and this is the hypothesis I've created. Am I completely wrong? And then they might help and like, um, poke holes in it, or they might tell me what the challenge actually is. I will then ask them to introduce me to the person. I'll be like, look, really cheeky ask, but I'm happy to do it from sales off side as well. But it sounds like this is a challenge and this is what we help with. Would you mind actually introducing me? If they say no, it's fine. Um, but a lot of the time people say yes. Um, and if they say no, I can then email that person, the prospect that might, the senior prospect and be like, speaking with some of the team and they've mentioned xyz being a challenge sells off souls for this like is it worth us chatting and it goes from guessing a challenge to being 100 percent certain that this is a challenge using their language as well it just makes it like such a, a more sticky or or a more repliable email than being like most most demand gen leaders struggle with x y and z it's like your team have physically just told me that this is a challenge and we solve for this um is it worth us having a chat it's a it's an interesting one because I think, look, as, as a sales rep, what what I guess there's there's no risk, no negative to another sales rep reaching out to you and, and you giving them some information. At the end of the day, it's not as if you're as a sales rep in your company going to lose out if you refer someone or you give someone a bit of content. Like yeah. you might as well help other reps out, and without getting too like deep and meaningful, it's all like pay it forward, isn't it? It's that the butterfly effect whatever they call it the good 100%. whatever goes around comes around sales karma is real i'm 100 percent sure sales karma is real so if you're one of those people being blunt and being like no i'm not going to introduce you to that person or no i'm not going to help another human out another human who is in the same role as you trying to reach their target if you don't want to help them out like sales karma is going to get you you ain't getting that next deal in or you ain't getting your target um but if you're nice and you kind of pay it forward it's like it will come around to you and do you know what? It does come around, whether that's you interviewing for another job and crossing paths with someone you helped. It's like in this space, we all will cross paths. So you might as well be nice and help someone out. Um, I, I always introduce people to sales. Loft. I'll message the someone on, on Slack and I'll be like, hey, I've never met you before. But speaking to someone, they have a cool product. Do we have a competitor to this in place? And they might be like, yeah, actually, we have a competitor in place and it's not renewed until this time. I'll be like, oh, can I intro to you? To them so when it's renewal time you can speak with them they're like sure and it's like it doesn't hurt and then that's made someone's day so it's like nice i'm not gonna lie all i heard from the last four minutes is sales karma's gonna get you yeah that's yeah that's gonna be a great clip sales karma's <laughs> gonna get you so okay so we, we've covered i think six different tactic strategies there um what are you for, for, from maybe a company perspective but you as an individual what are your predictions for 2024 in terms of the way the market's going to go or the way outreach is going to go yeah so i split it into three buckets i think 
and I split it into your normal prospecting with like companies who have never heard of your software offering. Um, I then also have um, companies who have heard of your software or offering or they're researching you like triggers and then also networking and in-person. So I think I'm going to start with the third one. I just think networking and in-person is going to become bigger this year. Um, So creating a community, I think, is going to be really important. Meeting people face-to-face, walking the floor at events, creating your own little events as well, or your own little dinners with other people in your space as well. Like, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. It's way cheaper than paying for a booth as well. I Um, think Arthur Arthur Castillo at Chili Piper called it Nearbound. (laughs) Um, so nearbound is basically using your existing network or your black book of contacts uh to sell and i hadn't heard nearbound before but yeah nearbound or what you said basically um yeah yeah, it's not i i had an idea i was i posted on linkedin talking about um gym and running and things and then i had quite a few people um share some advice about running drop me a message about running and i was like maybe i should maybe i should start like a b2b running club in cardiff and it was like I was like, that's the sort of perfect time that you go for a run, 100%. you have a have a coffee and like, oh, what do you do, by the way? I'm like, no way. We we do, in fact, have a product oh, like, that would oh, be Billy, like... Oh, Billy Bob over there does that as well. And then you can yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really great. Like, it doesn't have to be like dinner and drinks or whatever, but like creating like little communities, I just think... Um, Matthias done it really well for SDRs in Germany. Like, they have such a great community. Like, SDRs in Germany have such a great community. Um, and I think like every company could like start to create their own little mini community as well. Like, like for sales loft as an example, like we know best practice prospecting, like we should be creating like SDR communities or pipeline and communities, which is then going to serve us that inbound that we want to get. Don't have to exhibit at a booth, you don't have to spend hundreds of thousands. Um, but it's just kind of creating that community that you're, you're eventually going to get, um, you're eventually going to get revenue from. Okay, so that's the that's is that the one bucket you're saying is going to be like the the big focus, or did you want to cover the other two in terms of changes or predictions? Yeah, I think that one's going to be big. The other two, the one where you don't know, like it's completely cold. I just think you're going to have to be way more strategic, like adding the stuff we've spoken about today, like multi, what did you call it, internal multi-threading. We're going to have yep. to be doing internal multi-threading. Um, extra personalization. It's like you're going to have to be really strategic to get into these cold accounts. Um, and then I, I always do things in a weird order. I've gone three, one, two. And then number two, um, I think for accounts where you know that they have had a close loss opportunity, um, there's a trigger or something like that. I think like these trigger events, like a prospect's researching you on Sixth Sense, they've looked at a competitor in G2, um, they're a close lost op five months ago. I think capitalizing on these triggers is be- going to become big as well so yeah uh, there's my uh, one too <laughs> badly timed sip of the drink there for me um but there you have it Th- three three predictions for 2024 off the back of six tactics or strategies that hopefully those watching or listening um can take some um some learnings or lessons from i think there's a couple of bits in there that i think are re- like really really good um they're all they're all good but i think there are a couple of highlights in there that i think um will will be very very good and fingers crossed maybe we'll we'll um trace back in 12 months and see if uh, <laughs> see if they came true we'll get a podcast in for next january yeah. um and see yeah. if any, any any of them have um come true um and in, in in typical fashion off the back of one of your tips or strategies i'm going to be really cheeky 
and I'm going to ask who I need to speak to on the podcast next and why. And then after, I'm going to yeah. get you to intro me. I'm going to tell you two people actually. I'm going to tell you. Something. I'm going to tell you Harry Hudson. Um, oh. I don't think he's as active on LinkedIn at the moment. Harry Hudson is an absolute beast when it comes to prospecting and, and tactics. Um, if I could have a co-host on a podcast, it would be Harry Hudson. Um, so Harry Hudson at Sourcewell. And then um, there's someone on my team called as an SDR and in regards to closing deals. So she's a, a really, really tactical human to be speaking to. So, I yeah, think Harry I met Lizzie in Dublin at Sustock, I think. Oh, did you? Yeah, she's... I think there were a couple of Lizzie's. Um, so I'm like... Oh, yeah, there's Lizzie Stewart and Lizzie Stamp, so it makes well, it difficult. <laughs> uh, which is one of them Glaswegian or Scottish? That's Lizzie Stewart. Right, you yeah. Lizzie so, Stamp, but Lizzie Stewart's right. a killer as well. Yeah, just uh, maybe just don't tell her I've been around with the, the, Yeah. I remember having a, a conversation in Temple Bar with Lizzie Stewart about the fact that she's from the same town as Lewis Capaldi and we were all like, oh, come on, you're not. Every Scottish person says that. <laughs> anyway, it was it was a very good evening in Temple Bar. Um, but no, thank you for, for jumping on. It's been um, a really nice first podcast of the year. Ease back into it. A really, really good chat. So anyone for uh, anyone listening and watching please subscribe please follow leave a review um please and thank you and hopefully we will catch you in the next episode but charlie thank you for thank you for jumping on and taking the time thanks for having me <laughs>